Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to reu hotels and resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. The Around the League Podcast feeds on Wes's softball pants. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal, and Mark Sessler. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. What's up? Good to be back in the same room. Wednesday show. You got a big smile, Dan. I've never seen you so happy. Well, I'm just happy. I, I like when the room is filled with heroes. Dan's jets are on fire. Well, we got we are heading towards a big a big weekend. Could get two wins in a row, which is <laughs> what, what is that? Wow! Great, great job, K. Rich. <laughs> get excited, people. Um, Wes, you are uh, lathered up with some type of lotion. You are in on your off day. Your face oh, is red. Hold on, I don't What's use lotion. What is this? I just uh, I was at the pool and the beach earlier. Wow! It's for those of you who live in other parts of the country. It's 86 degrees in Marina Del Rey today. Not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> I'm just living what? life to the fullest. What a jerk! You have a sheen to you. Yes. Well, I, th- that doesn't mean I was like behaving in a Charlie Sheen manner this morning or anything. All right. True or false? Pre-podcast alcoholic beverage or not? <laughs> Did you spend any time in the hot tub with the Zarinas? Steve I did Winwood. last night, not not Fine. today. There's no Steve Winwood, no. Oh. no. Big show today. We're going to take a look at the AFC playoff picture. We did the NFC last week. This week we'll do the AFC. We're going to stick the fork in a sad team whose 2013 season's over. We're going to preview Thursday night football. But as we always do on Wednesday, we will start with K. Rich behind the glass and the news. Uh-oh! Gotta love it, love it. K. Rich behind the glass. Hey, Rich. What's up? What's going on, guys? Kay Rich wearing a red blazer and matching red pumps. Pumps. <laughs> and what? a pocketbook. And a pocketbook. Old school. What is, because I, I said pumps before we started, and apparently you're not supposed to say pumps. It's, what? Out, it's out of, it, that's pumps from an old time. Of, it's a certain type of shoe. These are just red heels. 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 Anyway, okay. back to football. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up first, Wayne Bowe will start against the Denver Broncos 
despite his recent arrest. Andy reads like, please, I used to coach in Philly. You're still starting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good Put her point. in the red heels and everything's <laughs> off the rails. I like it. Yeah, uh, what do you guys think? Does it matter? Yeah. Of course it matters. Why? What do you Listen, mean? Does I, think, it matter? I think the contract that they gave Dwayne Bow before the season is one of the worst uh, deals handed out. I'm going up. back in the archives and checking the ATL that you wrote when the contract was signed. I don't think, you know, look, he's still their best receiver. He's not great, but they need someone. I agree on the point with the contract, but it makes a big difference to me if he's playing or not because he's not making a lot of big plays, but he's still the best option they have, and I give them a chance to be in this game. Why not? He was assistant coach last week, too. There was a play where he noticed the defense was doing something. He went over right to Andy Reid and said, let's run this. They ran it, and it worked, led to a touchdown. Very versatile. Yeah, He was sober at that time. That was good. They have to be frustrated. I mean, he's had problems throughout his career off the field, motivation, being in shape, and uh, they give him the big money, and then this happens. But it's kind of a sliding scale of NFL justice. If you're valuable, you're not going to get punished too quickly. What else is in the news, Kay Rich? All right, next up. Unless picked up by another team, we may have seen the last of Ed Reed, who was released by the Texans and has cleared waivers, who is now a free agent. Well... Ed Reed. The Jets, it's funny, the Jets, who we'll be talking about later, Rex Ryan was asked about this, uh, whether the Jets would be interested, and he kind of hemmed and hawed, which I found interesting. But ultimately, what it comes down to is is Ed Reed, he would obviously sign with a contender if he was going to um, you know, attract interest. I don't know why someone that wasn't in the mix would even be interested. But does a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl think Ed Reed can help in 2013? Well, Wes <clears throat> put out a, an emotionally stirring piece yesterday listing the possible... <laughs> destinations for Reed. What was it was it the Patriots at the top of your list? Yeah, I don't I don't think it was meant to be like a power rankings list. It was just a list of teams. Uh the Patriots It was meant to be emotionally stirring though. Wasn't I it? did not know that it was that much of emotionally stirring. Mark's piece. had a lot of problems at home lately, so everything's <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> I had the Patriots, Colts and Jets as the top 3 just because of connections to Ed Reed. Belichick doesn't have a connection other than those two just love each other. So, I, you know, and Steve Gregory's missing from the Patriots for a while, so that made some sense in my eyes. But I don't know that there's any – I mean, I, I think he cleared waivers more because the because of his game film than his comments about the coaching staff. Yeah, Jim Ursay tweeted that they might bring him in as a wide receiver yeah. slash safety. Hilarious. Ursay's just trolling us now. Yeah, he, he doesn't even care. That was a straight troll job. Well, have you guys um, – I know all of us in this room have seen a lot of the Texans this year. Did we see anything from Reed that would – that maybe put on tape that a team would be interested in grabbing him? I'll tell you what I did see was DJ Swearinger all over the field taking Reed's place last week. Right. Right. They had young players. Reed was going to be an issue. I think the Jets are the team that you can just – I mean, listening to Rex Ryan, it sounded pretty obvious that he wanted to bring him in. And I don't know if uh, John Edzik, their general manager, is going to agree with him. But I, I kind of think, like, couldn't Ed Reed be an upgrade on most – Number three or four safeties where if he's playing some snaps, uh, he could provide some value to one of these teams. I don't know. I guess he just has to understand that there's a chance that he might not really play. Like, the, he'll get a look. But I think that's what kind of did him in in Houston is he could have, if he was a little, uh, you know, less less talkative, maybe he'd still be there. But once he spoke up, they're like, why are we keeping you around at this point? Right. I could see someone picking him up and then cutting him two weeks later. I think if he was still in the starting lineups, those critical comments don't happen. Right. And I think if this is it, Fred Reed, and we all agree he's a Hall of Famer, right? Mm -hmm. First ballot. You thought first ballot, and I tend to agree. 
this is such a fitting way for him to go out because who have we written and talked about more making comments and people interpreting comments, you know, in radio shows or whatever over the years more than Ed Reed. I mean, his whole entire career, he's said things that have gotten him in trouble and then people are arguing about it. And like his mouth has gotten him in trouble a lot. That's kind of part of his charm and it'd be a fitting way to go out. Anything else in the news, K-Rich? All right, last up, Aaron Rodgers hopes to play by Thanksgiving, and man, do I hope so. He was my starter in fantasy. Hmm. And Jermichael Finley undergoes neck surgery. Finley was placed on injured reserve. He he released a statement with that surgery that they are hopeful that he's going to play football again. So we'll we'll see. I mean, he's going to be a free agent, so there's questions about his future. We'll we'll wait and see on that. Rodgers, what what do we take from that? Well, first... uh, Finley has not had surgery yet. He's going to undergo a spinal fusion, s- fusion surgery that I guess is his only chance of returning to the field. But um, with Rodgers, by Thanksgiving, that w- that would be, what, one week faster than what was anticipated? Probably. Doesn't I mean, I think like we were thinking that probably because the, the, it, it was, you know, that, that compacted week. It was more like two and a half weeks or three and a half weeks away from when he got hurt. So we were thinking the week He after. sounded hopeful of playing next week. I mean, he didn't even want to rule out this week, but that might just be a player being over-eager, but he sounded hopeful playing even the week before uh, Thanksgiving, which would be a big surprise. I don't... Back to Finley for a second. I don't like the sound of spinal fusion surgery. No. Uh, that not that what ended Sterling Sharp and Nick Collins' career? I, I don't think... It, it, it. To me, it almost certainly ends his Packers' career, whether another team takes a chance on him or not. Is another question, but I, I wouldn't expect to see him play again. And I don't know Mark Chimura's medical credentials, but he came out. He accurately predicted yesterday that uh, Finley would have surgery. He told the radio station and also said that Finley would never play again. I don't know why, well, he where spoke that comes with, from. He spoke but, with Finley. Oh, he spoke yeah, with Finley. Yeah, and that's where it came okay. from. And he, and he said he mentioned Nick Collins by name, saying that the, the situation was similar. Yeah, I think, uh, okay, so I went back and watched the Packers this morning. I was not impressed by Scott's Tolzine in the least. I thought he had an awful game. Made some horrible decisions. Like, why he was throwing the ball in these tight spaces when he did, I don't know. But two things I liked, that that even in a bad loss to the Eagles where their defense kind of packed it in at the end, Brandon Bostick looked good at tight end. I think they're going to use him more than uh, Quarles the rest of the way. He looks like they're receiving tight end now. And... Even when Randall Cobb gets back, they're going to have to run four wide sets with Jarrett Boykin because he's playing so well. Mm. To me, Boykin's the guy who's going to pick up the most slack from Finley the rest of the way. He made a great grab in that game, too. They're running wide receiver screens to him. He's making plays in traffic. That catch on the sideline, yeah, he, he's playing well. You know, well, I, I, with Tolzien, real quick, because I, I think I'm going to go a little easier on him because the coordinator said this week that he, he was running plays in the game for the first time that he had never even run before in practice. I just want to give him another week to prepare and let's judge him this week. Well, and it's amazing because I still think they could win the Super Bowl, but they're going to need Scott Tolzien to help them get there, and that's by just being competent enough against the Giants and Vikings the next couple weeks to keep them in the mix for when Rodgers comes back. And I agree with that. Like th- When I saw Boykin and Bostic play, that was one of my takeaways. What they're going through now will make them stronger in January because they're. you have to praise their development. The way they're developing these young guys to come in when players go down and they're playing well, that will bode well in January. Well, well not if they're 5-6, fi- and six, though. When Rodgers comes back, it could be tough. Well, we looked at this team a couple weeks ago and said when they hit this soft belly of the schedule here, these two games, 2-0. and oh, I don't think people feel that way right now. 
Okay, let's move on. So last week, as I said earlier, we broke down the NFC playoff picture, and now uh, as we head into the last two two months of the season, let's look at how the AFC is shaping up. It's a very different picture because you have in the NFC um, a bunch of really good teams uh, trying to get into a limited number of spots. In the AFC, it's not quite the same thing. You have the Chiefs, Patriots, and Broncos as locks. Um, then you have... The Colts at six and three, having some problems, but you're still pretty confident of them in the in the division. You think the Bengals are it's a little tricky, and then you have the Jets right now as the sixth seed, but they're at five and four. And behind them, you have the Dolphins, Titans, Browns, Ravens, Chargers, all at four and five. It's kind of a mess. So let me start with you, Greg. Where do you see this going? Where do you see? First of all, you, do you imagine that the Broncos will be in one of those top two seeds by the end of the season? Yeah, let's start with it. I think the Chiefs have a chance. Do, do, do we think the Chiefs have a chance to split these two games against the Broncos? Because if they do, then they have a real chance to win the tiebreaker from Denver and possibly hold on. Basically, the question is whether Kansas City has any chance of holding off Denver. I tend to think they won't. But maybe I'm just my, the contrarian in me that, that wonders if they can somehow stay alive When here. you couch it in those terms, of course they have a chance. Right. But, but I don't see it ending well for them. I, I think most likely they lose both of those games and they're not even really in the game. I'd agree with Wes. I mean, they're going to have to do something different if they uh, get into a situation where the Broncos are scoring in spurts like we've seen so often. But I, why do we think the Chiefs are so much worse than the Redskins or other teams well, that have leads over the uh, over the Broncos in the third quarter, the fourth quarter, the Colts beat them. I'm just saying, if they could split, if you look at the rest of Kansas City's schedule, San Diego in Kansas City, Washington's terrible, Oakland's terrible, Indianapolis could be a tough game, San Diego again. I don't think the Chiefs are worse than the Redskins. I think the Broncos are a better team with Von Miller playing. I yeah. also think it's a we're being we're not alone in this, but everyone right. is very disrespectful to the Chiefs. <laughs> I know they're not a great nine and O team. They could be the worst nine and O team ever, but they are nine and O. So it, while it would seem they're everything's set up for the Broncos to finally hang a loss on them this week. There's no reason to think that they can't hang in, in their own building against the Broncos. I, wow, there you go. Yeah. The crowd from that, I think that was very similar to the awards show crowd. They're <laughs> Same, back. Those poor people have not been allowed to leave. There's one porta potty and just box lunch being airmailed in. But anyway, so, yeah, so I think the Chiefs have a shot. But I think ultimately you're going to have an interesting situation where you could actually have like a 13-3 and three team as a five seed, which is pretty unusual. Denver New England, if Denver wins this week, then becomes a huge matchup for the potential number one seed. Now, I, I have a hard time seeing the Patriots avoiding losing, let's say, four games overall. But if they could somehow beat Denver, they would have a real chance at getting the one seed. I think things are turning around for the Patriots. I, I think they've lost quite a bit on defense, but their offense looks much better at this point. I think they're a safe bet uh, in their division. And to do what the Patriots do, which is win 11, 12 games, that's what your boys do, Greg. So I, don't, I, I feel like, although it's not very scientific, it just, it just feels <laughs> like this is what happens every year, that they get to that spot. I'm more intrigued about the AFC South. Um, Wes, I know you are very, you're in the camp that the Colts have a real chance at completely cratering here. I don't, I don't see how anybody could watch their last two games against the Texans and Rams and say this is a good team because they're not a good team right now. Could they turn it around? I don't know. Luck's, Luck's record coming off of losses is, is unbelievable. I think he's like... It's undefeated. Well, he yeah. has not lost two in a row since he was a freshman at Stanford. 
Yeah, I mean, and I have all the faith in the world in Luck, but they're asking him to do it alone right now. If you have all the faith in the world in Andrew Luck, how do they not win this division easily? Because all they division. have to do is win three or four more games. They don't need to be good. They just how need do they to- not win it? Because look at their schedule. It's, it's brutal. They go at Tennessee, so if they lose this week, and I'm not sure they're a better team than the Titans right now from what I've seen out of the Colts the last two weeks. Wow. At Arizona, which we've already said, Arizona at home is one of the best teams in the league. Then they play Tennessee again. At Cincinnati, who is much better at home than they are on the road. They play the Texans, who outplayed the Colts two weeks ago by quite a bit for three quarters. At Kansas City. Those are their next six games. Oh, I, I, you forgot the Week 17 matchup they against the Jaguars. Okay, so that's what they've got. Money they've in got. the bank. That's seven wins right there. They've what? got a Jacksonville team, which is right now catching fire. And you can say, oh, Andrew Luck. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> like, oh, Wes just like, looked around the room. <laughs> Wes was in the sun too long. We talked about this 0 and 8 to 8 and 8 and 8 in Jacksonville. But, you know, you can like we Luck all you want. This? No one else. I, I, think think I, I had this. a conversation with Wes about this in, in a private moment on Sunday. But uh, Andrew Luck, look, you can <laughs> love him you all you want. Were. He's not getting protected well at all. He's getting killed back there. Let, let's make the argument for the Colts as a young team that's overachieved and is playing above their weight. So they're going to have some big ups and big downs, kind of like other teams young, led by young quarterbacks. I'm not, I don't think they're so good that they can't get blown out in, in any given game if things go wrong, like against the Rams. But this is the same team that beat the Seahawks. The 49ers. They're not the and same. And the Broncos. Team. They are not the they're same not that, team. They're not that much you watch, different. You watch their offense in seven of the eight quarters since Reggie Wayne went down. They can't move the ball, period. In seven of eight quarters. All right, well, let me. Let Things me, go up and down in the season. There you go. What it, about. I'm not saying somebody can't come along to save them. I mean, we've seen, like we said with Richard Matthews on Monday night, this guy came out of nowhere to be the Dolphins' best receiver. Maybe. Derek Rogers does that for the Colts. Who knows? But right now, they are not that team. And Pep Hamilton is a guy that wants to beat teams on the ground and punish teams. <laughs> Give and up they on cannot that. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing. You know, last year, Luck threw 91 passes of 21, 20 or more yards. He's got 37 of them this year. They're not able to take shots down the field the same way, and they can't run the ball. What about the Bengals? Do you guys think they will be able to hold on in the AFC North, grab a fourth seed? Unless the Steelers get hot, yes. You're still holding out hope. So you you got to be picking the Steelers well, I, this week I looked then. at the Ravens' schedule, and it's very tough. And I looked at the Browns' schedule, and they finished with two games on the road, which doesn't bode well for them. So I think, to me, the Steelers are the best chance to get hot in that division. I still think the Ravens could get back in it. And they're going to be a bad offense, I think, throughout the whole season. But I think having Flacco and a good defense is enough to get back in the mix. And you said their schedule's tough. I mean, it's not that tough. They're at Chicago this week. I think they could win that game. Not easy. Uh, they have the Jets, the Steelers, and the Vikings at home all in a row, and they're a good Look home Look at teams. their final three games. Then it gets tougher. Uh, but I think they can get back in the mix. What I think are they the can final beat three games? At Detroit, home to the Patriots, and at Cincinnati. It's tough. I think that Week 17 game, Cincinnati-Baltimore decides that division. I don't think the Bengals run away if with that. I think you are crazy. Why? Ooh, go. S- listen, Baltimore is not winning this division. Mark wants to fork the Ravens. I, I don't want to fork I'd almost them, be okay with that. I, if I had seen any indication that they could run the ball better than Trent Richardson, then maybe. <laughs> but, th- I mean, Ray Rice is worse than Trent Richardson. They can't do anything on offense. I love how we conveniently completely ignore Cleveland in this. It's a three-team division. We ignored Dan's question, too, about Cincinnati. <laughs> I, well, listen, to answer <laughs> your question, question, Cincinnati wins this division. 
and then they lose their first playoff game. I totally agree. I think, yeah, I think we all see that coming. All right, so then let's talk about that final seed. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I think the Bengals I, win their first playoff game. No, I don't think they make the playoffs. I'm sticking to my preseason. Why not? You think the Ravens? I'm going with the Ravens. Wow. You picked the Steelers to win the division. Well, at this point, I, I'm giving up on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then the sixth seed. It's really an anti-Bengals pick. I, this is where it gets wide open. So right now you have the Jets locked in at 5-4. and four, But as I said, you have five teams behind them within a game. Greg, uh, Mark, I'll start with you. Who will be the sixth playoff team? Hmm. Man, it's tough. I... And let's assume the first five spots hold, okay? So let's say sure. let's have the Bengals win their division. We'll have the Colts hold on. So literally, literally you'll have the Broncos or the Chiefs at five. Who is in six? Who comes in six? I'll, bring, I'll give you the teams again. Jets, Dolphins, Titans, Browns, Ravens, Chargers. Listen, in my, in my heart of hearts, I'd love for it to be Cleveland. I can't go down that road because I, I see a team that in cold weather will not be able to run the football. And I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop on Jason Campbell. Right. I look at the Jets, and I think that, A, that defense is legitimate. Um, what they did against the Saints impressed me. Stuck with me. I'm going Jets. Wes? Looking at Football Outsiders playoff odds for all these teams, yeah. the Jets are at 48%. Do it, 48%. Every other team you mentioned is below 17%. Right. Mm. The Jets, and I was thinking this without even looking at the playoff odds, after looking at the Jets' remaining schedule, I think we talked a month ago that they had a tough remaining schedule. It looks pretty good to it me right now. It sucks up a lot. A big change, too, was if you buy into the fact that the Dolphins might be going totally uh, into the tank and disappearing into the ether, they have them twice. And, and you think about that Jets' D-line going against that Dolphins' offensive line, things can get ugly. And they have a, ho- they have a road game in Buffalo – uh, this week, which if they're a real team, they should be able to win that. So if you if you bank those three wins, they're in really good shape. They they got eight wins right there. The thing, so. with the, the thing with the Jets, though, because they're the one team that they're coming off a win and they have that game advantage over the rest of this slop fest group of teams, <laughs> right? right? And that's but what it is. A week from now, right? We're going to all be singing a different tune about some other team. That's what's happening with this sixth seed. It changes week out to of, week. Out of all the teams you mentioned, I would have the Texans and Steelers over any of them but the Jets. Mm. I mean, the I, Texans are the best team. The Texans out of, out of on that a seven-game losing streak. The they Texans? are the best team out of all You're those. Drinking teams. that Case Keenum juice, and it's, it's Look getting at their you games. inebriated. West, they're two and the, seven. The end of the games count, though. A lot of times, I think we end up thinking just because they dominated the first two or three quarters, like they should have won the game, but they shouldn't have won the, the game because they don't games, play well. The Texans have played at Kansas City, against the Colts, and at Arizona, and lost by a total of seven points. It's fair. All right. Well, then they're going to need to. Gain three or four games on all the rest of these well, teams. Well, okay, now look at the rest of these teams. The, Char- the Chargers have the worst defense in the NFL, according to Greg Rosenthal and Football Outsiders. The Browns, you know, have a tough schedule. We went over that. I could see the Browns and doing you, some things. And you absolutely wouldn't give the Browns credit if they were Where six did you see right now. Actually, the yeah. Browns, I would, I would see the Browns in the playoffs before the Ravens. Okay. Uh, the Dolphins, you can write them off. They're out. They're done. <laughs> You're ready to fork them. Yes, they're done. The Dolphins are done. Greg, what is your uh, pick for the sixth seed? Man, it's like I had to be prepared or something. Yeah. I, I, well, I think I would go with the two North teams. It's not an exciting answer, but the Bengals and Ravens both getting in it. I think they both get in. And if I had to choose another one, it would be the Chargers because despite – I mean, their schedule is tough, but they have something. The thing with the Jets, you, you know, you're trying to count wins. They're a team I don't think you can count any win. Right, the Jets, that's fair. The Jets are trying to win without a quarterback. 
I mean, the, he was terrible two weeks ago in their in their game, and, and then they hit him in the win against the Saints. They somehow won that game with nothing from a quarterback, and that's tough to do. Well, and I would say that's an argument for the Chargers because of all these teams hanging out there for that number six spot, Phillip Rivers is playing extremely well, obviously, maybe second, third best quarterback in the league right now, and... They're a little bit frisky when they want to be. You guys honestly don't believe that the Texans and Steelers have the potential to get hotter than any of these teams. I, I'm with you on the Steelers. You're going to have to convince me on the Texans. That, right, so that's the what Steelers I, a little go, later in the program. That's what we they call need to go tease. six and one down the stretch. I'm just saying, out of one of these teams is going to have to get really hot to take care of the other teams to get rid of the, all the other teams. I think right. the Steelers. I don't think get, any of them will. I, I don't. I think if you're looking for one or two teams to get hot, those are the two teams that have the best roster to do it. All right, speaking of the AFC playoff picture, this is, this is a perfect time to bring in a friend of the podcast, a friend of the original ATL Debate Club. Now he's making his ATL podcast debut. He's the Jets beat reporter for the New York Daily News. Friend of the podcast, maybe not so much a friend of the Jets. He's Manish Mehta. <laughs> How are you guys? What's going on, Manish? How's everything going in uh, Florham Park? Hey, spirits are high. They've got the uh, last wild card spot, so no complaints in Florham Park uh, as of right now, though. You know, I, we we spoke this summer, you and I, and you know, we both didn't think very highly of them as a playoff team. How surprised are you that you're covering a, a legit postseason contender right now? Are you shocked? Uh, yeah, I think shocked is probably a great word to describe <laughs> it. I thought they were a four to six win team, uh, closer to four if Geno Smith was going to be the starter for the duration of the season, which. It looks like he obviously is going to be, but you got to give Rex Ryan and his staff, uh, Marty Morningwig specifically, a lot of credit because they've got a rookie quarterback who's you know had his ups and downs, 16 turnovers in nine games. That typically, when you look at that stat line, you think the team that he plays for is probably not very good. But the the way that Morningwig has allowed Smith to take some strategic shots downfield and be aggressive and and also run the ball really more than he's probably run it at any point during his coaching career. You know, it's a testament to him, and obviously on the other side, I think you've got one of the best defensive lines in the league, and uh, the Mo Wilkerson-Sheldon Richardson tandem is really kind of the anchor and the heartbeat of that defense. So uh, yeah, you have to give credit where it's due, and Rex Ryan and his coaching staff have done a tremendous job to this point. The Sons of Anarchy, one of my favorite new nicknames <laughs> for the Jets D-line. I'm all in on that. You guys heard yeah, about like, the Sons of I Anarchy? Like well, we have now. 2.0, yeah. but, you know, I'm old-fashioned that way. What was your sack exchange 2.0? Yeah. You might get sued by Gastineau or something. You've got to be careful. Hey, you were in the room for uh, Ed Reed today, right? Were Rex Ryan talking about Ed Reed? Yeah, look, we asked him about it. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense on paper, at least, because of the connection that the, the two of them had. And if you ever have been around Rex Ryan, you know that Ed Reed and, and Ray Lewis are two of his favorite players of all time. And, uh, you know, that goes without saying, probably. But I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, he cleared waivers today, and. Uh, my understanding is that uh, you know the Jets uh, you know had interest in him, and Rex even came out and said that he and John Itzik spoke about the possibility of adding Reed. Didn't really get into any details beyond that, but it's a it's a it's a good landing spot, I think, for a lot of reasons. The Jets are in contention. I would think that Ed Reed would want to go to a place that has a chance of making the postseason. And when you look at the Jets' safeties, Jaquan Jarrett, Antonio Allen. Uh, Dewan Landry, you know, they've been okay, you know, solid at times, but uh, surely not good enough to, to where you, you can cross off an Ed Reed, you know, if he's available. So, you know, I think they should go for it. Al Manish, Mark Sussel, how you doing? Hey, Mark, how are you? 
Good question. Let's say the Jets, you know, obviously we've just talked about an interesting season, surprising in many aspects. Let's say they finish this thing out at 8-8. Eight and eight. What happens to Rex Ryan? Well, I think that Rex, uh, well, I said before the season that Rex should be coach of the year if they're 9-7. and seven. I didn't obviously realize what was going to go on <laughs> down in Kansas City, so I think Andy Reid's got that locked up. But if they're 8-8 eight and eight with the talent that they have, uh, or the lack of talent, I should say, on offense that they have, uh, I think Willie Johnson w- would be foolish not to bring back Rex. And, and remember, guys, Rex is signed through 2014. You don't want him to be a true lame duck entering next season. So if they are 8-8, eight eight, what makes the most sense to me, uh, what I think will play out is a one-year extension for Rex. I think that's the direction that Woody will go because, as you guys know, Woody you know, is a big fan of Rex. And he, he can get eight wins out of a team that has the, the lack of weapons that this team has on offense, coupled with a rookie quarterback, I think it would be a, a, an extreme misstep uh, to start over and uh, bring in a new guy. Because let's be honest, if you're going to bring in a new head coach, it's probably going to be an offensive-minded head coach. So that would mean that Marty Morningwood wouldn't be back, and that would mean that Geno Smith, if he is going to be your future, will have to start over with a new offensive coordinator. And then you're going to have to bring in a new defensive coordinator. And, and who are you going to find out there? that's going to be a better defensive mind than Rex Ryan. So I think the team would take a step back if they decided to make a, a coaching change if they were to finish 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah, but is it Rex? Is it Woody's decision or is it Idzik's decision? Because that comes back to the Zed Reed. Who, who's making the call? That should be Idzik's decision. And if they go 8-8, eight and eight, I just wonder if he's still going to want to have his own guy there, whether Rex will ever be his guy. Well, I can tell you this for certain. It is Woody Johnson's decision. Now, that does not mean he's not going to get input from other people in the organization. He absolutely is. If you know Woody Johnson, you know that he likes, you know, to get in as many voices as possible, to collaborate, to listen to John Idzik. He's got some personal advisors uh, to listen to the team president, Neil Glad. I'm sure all of those uh, players will have voices in this decision, but ultimately it will be Woody Johnson's decision. Woody Johnson is not going to allow John Idzik to unilaterally make a, a call on the head coach. And you're right, if you're John Idzik, sure, you know, you've waited your entire career to become a general manager. You, you want to handpick your guy because you want to succeed or fail with the guy that you chose. You want your fate to be determined by the guy that you handpicked. And obviously, he had to inherit Rex to get the job. That's one of the reasons he got the job. A lot of factors, of course, but. Uh, he was on board with inheriting Rex, and that wasn't really an option uh, that any of these GM candidates had from Woody Johnson. They had to keep Rex, but uh, this is going to be a Woody Johnson decision. He is going to get input from other people, including the general manager. Isaac will you know, give him some thoughtful information, and it will be considered carefully for sure, but ultimately the owner is going to make the call on the head coach. All right, Manish, before we let you go, I have two more things. First of all, I know you've been you found yourself maybe in the headlines sometimes with uh, your, some of the things you've said, you've been outspoken about certain things, for instance, with the Mark Sanchez injury in the preseason and even going back before that. Um, has it made your job harder at all to be in that building, dealing with um, some of the things that you've said, been written about? <laughs> well, all I can tell you is that you know, I, I report what I see, and, uh, and, I, and I do have opinions uh, that sometimes rub people in the organization the wrong way. He's but, fearless! Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I do... Stand behind my, uh, you know, my belief that it was a wrong decision by Rex to put in Mark Sanchez in that third preseason game after Geno had struggled so much in the first half against the Giants. Now that being said, uh, again, you have to praise if you're going to be critical of the head coach for a decision like that. You really do have to be 
honest and fair and say that he's done a great job to this point to get this team to five and four. Uh, you know, the job that John Dinsick has done to this point, I think, look, the, the draft picks, uh, you, you know, you, you can't make a definitive decision on how this first draft has gone. Now, what you can do is analyze in the moment, and in the moment, Sheldon Richardson looks like a, an unbelievable pick, and D. Milner looks like an unbelievably bad pick. Now, that doesn't mean that D. Milner can't become a quality player moving forward, but to this point, that hasn't been a good pick. I haven't really been... Uh, you know, bowled over by anything that John Hintick has done in free agency. Mike Goodson obviously didn't work out. David Garrard didn't work out. A slew of other guys were cut before the season started. Some guys who showed some promise early, like an Antoine Barnes, landed on the IR. So uh, when you look at his free agency grade, I don't think it's been very good. You clearly give the, the draft an incomplete. And then, uh, at least from my vantage point, uh, I think it, it still was a, a really bad decision to trade away Darrell Revis. I know a lot of people disagree with me about that, but I think you could have afforded to pay him $16 million a year when you knew that you weren't going to pay the quarterback position, which is typically the highest-paid position on a team, uh, really anything of consequence for the next you know, three or four years, whether you had Geno Smith as the quarterback or a new quarterback that you were going to draft next year. So I think that was a big misstep. I think that's a weighted misstep. I don't think all decisions are uh, should be judged equally. You traded away one of the best defensive players in the league in his prime, albeit coming off a knee injury. But that was a decision that I strongly disagree with then, and I strongly disagree with that right now. All right, so the, uh, all good insight, and thank you for coming on. Before you go, Manish, we need your country music recommendations. You are my only tie to the country world. You are the, the, <laughs> the biggest country music fan on the Jets beat and maybe the universe. Give me some country music recommendations. Well, you know, you, you know, I'm a big fan of Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney, yeah, so I won't go there. I think uh, <laughs> if you want to be a little bit uh, more nouveau, you, you got to go Florida Georgia Line. They're kind of uh, crossing over into the mainstream, so you know it, it probably won't be as painful for you guys. To yeah, do slow down. Wes is taking notes. He's going to go straight to <laughs> iTunes after this. Florida Georgia Line. Florida Georgia Line. All right, very good, Manish. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Anytime. All right. Stick a fork in them. All right, it's that time of the week, the time where the ATL group, the room full of heroes, decides what team no longer has any tangible chance of making the postseason. Their season is over, and uh, you have to just stick the fork in them and move on. Here lies the Buffalo Bills, who yet again successfully worked their fan base into a September lather, only to bring their dreams crashing to the icy upstate tundra by Thanksgiving. In lieu of flowers, please send hope to the E.J. Manuel era. I think that's well said. Hope for the E.J. Manuel era. He's got an era already. This team deserves better. They've played hard. They've remained competitive. I like their coaching staff. They have something to build on. Let's just hope E.J. Manuel is the answer for next year. Let me ask you this. Did you watch the Steelers-Bills game? I did not watch that one. I, I... I took that in on Sunday, and I have some real questions you about it. You took it in, and did you? I drank it in <laughs> as part of my job here. Uh, and actually, we were about to fork the Steelers if they lost that game. That was our fork-off. And Pittsburgh took care of business. E.J. Manuel, probably his worst game of the year. Definitely. Really, really ugly. Which is saying something. What a bummer, by the way. That, that Thursday night game where both Manuel and Hoyer got hurt uh, in Cleveland. Manuel, that messed up their entire season. Not only in the sense that... Because, you know, they got some actually decent backup play once he went down. But still, it, it messed them up from the standpoint of getting a, a real look at him, Manuel's first season. 
And instead, they had they had to go into this hibernation period. Now he's thrown back in, and he was obviously rusty. So kind of it makes it harder to get an idea of what you have. They still have enough time this season to get a good look at it, but unfortunately, it's you know it won't be a situation when they're playing for uh, January football. Sometimes you see an awful box score, and you think, well, maybe it's better than the numbers indicate. His performance was somehow worse than the numbers indicated, and the numbers were awful. I mean, they had two plays over ten yards. He just missed flat throws the whole game. I mean, it was like watching... I'm trying to think of another... Op- kind of like the Jaguars in their very worst games where they they basically could not operate with manual behind center. I don't know if it was what Dick LeBeau was showing them or what, but it, it makes you wonder about them. And it makes you wonder who's going to throw the ball this weekend in Buffalo between the Jets and the Bills because I, I don't know if either of them can. I agree with Wes, though. This is a, this is a well-coached team, and I do think there is hope uh, for the basic you know decision-making and game plan there as they move forward. I think when you have C.J. Spiller playing the way he has all season, you're shot in the foot to begin with. They haven't gotten from him you know, what they thought they would at all. Well, I don't think you can put that on him. It's hard, no, I'm not it's putting hard to play it on with him, a high ankle sprain. No, it's not on him, but it's more that, listen, if he had done what he did last year, this year, they wouldn't be in the same situation. And some good moves. Jerry Hughes working out for yeah. them. Uh, Marcel Darius, I think, has been better this year. He's, he's been great the last month. Mario Williams. Mar- Ky- Kyle Williams. Kyle Mario Williams is still very Kiko good. Kiko Alonso. There's a lot to like, especially about this defense. I think Marone's a good coach. And we'll have plenty of time to get into after the season about what teams need and what should be targeted in free agency and in the draft. But I'll throw it to you guys. What, what do you think is the biggest missing piece for the Bills right now? Manual being manual and it's it being a guy that you can trust because it's like if if you're stuck with him for two or three years and he just turns into the next J.P. Lossman, it's like that's another waste of a couple well, of seasons. What, from what I'm hearing from you, we won't have Blaine Gabbert to kick around next year, so we might have to change this to the manual zone. No, I have hope for E.J. <laughs> manual. I think he's. I don't think he's as bad as you think. Well, I but, don't think he's terrible. I'm just going by what you were saying. He had he a bad was, game. He said his offense resembled the worst was, Jaguars games. I feel like we got a manual zone coming up for 2014. I don't think he was fully ready to come in and play last week, and I think that's part of what we saw. All right, so the Bills are done. But what about the Houston Texans? Uh, this is, to me, it's crazy that, that we haven't officially decided to fork them yet. They've lost seven in a row. There is one holdout in this room. His name is Chris Wessling. Does not want to fork a 2-7 and seven Texans team. Uh, Wes, maybe you don't have to win us over because the fork has to be a unanimous decision, but maybe you could explain your reasoning. They're a much better team than the Redskins and Giants, who we are also not. But it's not about the best team. It's about who's gonna, who has a chance to make the playoffs. Well, we've already gone over the Colts' schedule, which I believe is very tough down the stretch, and I think the Colts are a bad team. I don't think the Colts are a lock to win that division yet. You think the Texans could catch the Colts? That's what you're saying. I think they've got four games on them with with seven to go. Just do the math. Tomorrow's game, Titans and Colts determines the Texans' fate. Which, to me, makes it a next-week decision, not a this-week decision. For the Texans to have any chance at all, they would need to win every single game left on their schedule, which includes games against the Broncos and the Patriots. Or you're saying that the Colts are going to lose almost every game left on their schedule. The Colts... It's insane. I like it. It's bold. (laughs) Well, hey, look. (laughs) It's bold, all right. We are charged with not making the same mistake as last year, correct? true. To me, the two teams that are most likely to pull a Redskins are the Steelers and Texans. That's why I have not forked them. They both have good quarterbacks. Big Ben, to me, is one of the top six quarterbacks in the NFL. Keenum has a 105 passer rating. 
you don't like passer rating, but I know you like yards per attempt. <laughs> Eight yards per attempt. 275 yards per a game. Seven touchdowns without an interception. Hey, he's, one of the, he's, he's one of the best quarterbacks Keenan, in the NFL. Is Keenum single? He, Maybe we could set Wes right. and Keenum up. Well, listen, you know... <laughs> He's going to the Hall of Fame. The only question is if whether they do it after this season or they you know wait till his career is over. Give Wes credit. I, I will listen to you more on the Texans than the Steelers because the Steelers, with the same personnel, have done what they've done, and you're saying with the same group of guys, they're going to turn it all around right now. With Texans, they went from having Matt Schaub, an interception machine, to Keenum, who is fun to watch, and he has changed the way that offense moves the ball. So, yeah, it's like you don't want to fork them, but I just think that there's not enough time. Seven losses. The numbers. I, the numbers. I, I guess uh, my – Greg has been voting to fork the Giants for weeks now and has said many times they are a bad football team. Yeah. I don't think any of us <laughs> thinks the Tech – even with a seven-game losing streak, the Texans – are playing even with tough teams that they're playing against. They are not a bad football team. And they don't need to beat the they don't need to win the division. They just need to catch up with one of these other crappy AFC teams in contention for the sixth spot. I think right. they have a and better chance of winning the division yeah. even. I think that the Texans have a better chance of either winning the division or getting a sixth spot than the Giants or Redskins do of winning the uh, the NFC East. The by the football outsiders numbers they would have a uh, a .7 chance of winning the division. Well, you know, sometimes so, life doesn't happen the way that football in, outsiders tells us. It. Can, tabulate. I, <laughs> can I remind you guys that the Redskins <laughs> just lost to the Vikings? Yeah. The Texans are losing to good teams. Well, they need to start winning against someone. It's just a numbers game. Well, yeah. I, what I think, I think Mark is, hit the nail on the head. Yes, they're losing to good teams. They're losing to bad teams. They're losing to everybody. you got to win. <laughs> obviously, I, gotta win. obviously, I think they're about to go on a winning streak or else I wouldn't well, be having this, this discussion. That's if, the Col- if the Colts win <laughs> Thursday night, do you fork the Texans? Yes. Okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. That's why I think it's a next week discussion. This is, this is the beauty, though, of sticking a fork in them. We have to be unanimous, and we might not, yes. might not all disagree or respect each re- other or hang out anymore <laughs> after work, but we all have to agree. I've been ostracized. I was about to say I respect the hell out of Wes's thinking, but Greg kind of nailed it. No, there's, there's been a lot of – this has led to some really legitimate bad blood into the group. Um, all right, we'll move on. I'm going to Damashek's podcast. <laughs> He's defecting. Um, all right, let's move on to Thursday Night Football. Week 11, the train rolls on. And uh, perfect segue because the Indianapolis Colts, the 6-3 and three Colts, uh, now face a, a Tennessee Titans team that's reeling. Jake Locker out for the year. Liz Frank injury. That harlot Liz Frank has struck again. He is undergoing surgery. He won't be back till next year. Ryan Fitzpatrick steps in. I'll throw it to you, Greg, to start. Mm. How do you see this game playing out? I'm taking the Colts to win because of what I said before to Chris that I think they're a, a young team that plays a little better as a team than they are if you just look at all the individual parts and they'll figure out a way to win a tough game. Luck, like Mark mentioned, has never lost back-to-back games. If I was a Titans fan, though, I would take a little solace in Ryan Fitzpatrick's performance last week. Down 13 nothing with about two minutes left in the second quarter, and he put up 27 points on them. You know, Chris Johnson averages on the road 87.3 yards per game this season and at home 39.4 which is the second worst in the league among running backs with 50 attempts don't you think that's one of those stats that has to turn around because there's no reason for it i think it does but <laughs> no, if Chris johnson's bad he's not a good player right now he's a I below average i don't disagree player. he is a below average player well he's he hot was and really cold good two weeks is. ago and last, because last he tried. week he wasn't 
But did he try last week? It didn't look like it. Well, <laughs> Two the, fumbles? Last week, Tennessee had a total team breakdown. The final score, yeah, they crawled back into that thing. That was a, a home game against the Jaguars to be what the Jets are, which would have been 5-4. and four. Right. And that was a terrible absolutely loss. crumbled. Absolutely. If, if it's not an effort thing with Chris Johnson, how come he looked like Jamal Charles two weeks ago and he looked like Chris Johnson every other game of the year? What do the, ti- what do the Titans have going for them? I'm going to take the Colts in this game. But from my perspective, I am, as a Jets fan, the number six seed. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a little sneaky scary to me because he has done it before in Buffalo where he's gotten hot for a few weeks, even got a $62 million contract over some uh, handful of good games um, once upon a time. There's enough talent with the rest of the team, and if Chris Johnson puts together any type of consistency, that fills a, a major gap there. I wouldn't write them off as an AFC contender just because Locker's gone, but I still think the Colts are a better team, and I believe in Andrew Luck, and I believe he'll he'll get it done. I'm going Titans in this game because, Ooh. as I was uh, mentioning to you guys in the newsroom, Thursday night football, week after week, the home team and a home team that can run the ball has won these games time after time. We saw it last week. It's not the only factor in this game, but I think the Chris Johnson is going to turn it around this week. Uh, they are going to win. You got guts, man. I, I think put some deep balls up with, to Justin Hunter, who was playing more last week, and Kendall Wright, who I like a lot. And Vontae Davis looked like something was wrong with him last week. Yeah, he looked he like did. he was running yeah. in slow motion. He was not healthy. Yeah, I mean, if you're saying this comes down to who can run the ball, we know that won't be the Colts. It won't be. There you go. Probably <laughs> won't be either team. I thought the Titans season – we've been talking about the Titans as – potentially frisky, but they're not really good at much of anything right now, including their defense is, is average. It's okay. But they're not really terrible at anything Wh- What are the Colts good at right now? They have Andrew Luck, and I think the team... But what are they good at? I think Because Andrew Luck isn't playing well. I think that he didn't have a good week last week. I think he's played well this season. I think the team defense is, is good. It's not... It doesn't blow you away with their talent, but they're effective. I don't know how exactly. All right, so we will be back on Friday. We will discuss that Thursday night game. We'll talk about all the other uh, Week 11 games on the schedule. Uh, But until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, K. Rich behind the glass, and, of course, Lyle, the ATL intern. Until Friday. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. 
Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.